Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Khan, and I talk about bootstrapping, entrepreneurship, and building in public. This episode is called How I Find Twitter Content Ideas. And first, a word from our sponsor. Micro acquires the number one startup acquisition marketplace, and it's simply the most efficient way to sell a startup when you're ready to make your next move. And this week's story comes from the UK, where a 21-year-old entrepreneur named Charlie Joseph bootstrapped an online business called Bizarre Tracker and sold it on MicroAcquire for five figures, and in turn, allowed himself to finally quit his day job to work on a second project full-time. Charlie really credits the MicroAcquire platform as the key reason he was able to sell his small bootstrap business. While other platforms existed, there was a definite gap within the market where small to medium-sized online businesses could sell, like Charlie's, and can go to find buyers without high fees or unnecessary middlemen. And one of MicroQuire's earliest goals was to service exactly these startups and help them find serious buyers with no fees whatsoever, giving founders an outlet to exit and have the cushion to move on to new opportunities exactly as Charlie was able to do. As the pool of startups that list for sale have grown, MicroQuire has transcended past its own name and proved that the platform can take on online businesses of all sizes, not just the micro-acquisitions. It's become one of the best sites to source deal flow for private equity firms and strategic buyers alike. And MicroAcquire now helps bootstrap startups of all sizes, types, and geographies find an exit. The buyer community cultivated by MicroAcquire has shown a global appetite for smaller apps and micro SaaS businesses, as well as bigger e-commerce and SaaS startups doing millions in revenue. And if you're remotely thinking about selling your startup, you want to try a listing on MicroAcquire first. It's completely free for founders, which is pretty incredible. Go to microacquire.com to get started. And now, let's get started talking about Twitter content ideas. On Twitter's own blog, their content idea section suggests that you tweet a GIF. Yeah, let's come up with something better than that. I've been building an audience of over 50,000 people on Twitter over the last two years, and I will share today the strategies and tactics that I have come up with to find relevant and helpful daily content to share with my followers. And before we dive into the specifics, let's look at how to best prepare for consistently producing good content. You can't just expect to magically create amazing content all day, every day. You'll only get there employing two fundamental principles, and that is documentation and observation. So be prepared to take notes whenever you're reading or listening to or having conversations in your field of expertise doesn't matter what you do, have a Notion document open and ready for jotting down bullet points. I personally have pen and paper with me at all times, and I then later transfer that to my Notion doc when I find the time. And when I can't write, I use otter.ai on my mobile devices to record for just longer reflections and then later quickly capture and transcribe a thought automatically so I can transcribe it into my Notion doc. And I'm always ready to take a note because I have learned that the most interesting thoughts come up when you're in the middle of doing something else. To reduce the cost of switching context, I just come prepared so I can quickly take a note and get back to what I'm doing. And I note on everything that sounds interesting to me, even though I might not understand what kind of content I could create from it just yet. I'm filling my well, so to speak, to then later draw inspiration from that at some point. There's no need to have any clear intention to share something for it to be worth noting down. You can always come up with some shape for it later. Just get used to taking notes. And when 
Note-taking is the action. Observation is the reason for why we take that action. You won't find original and interesting topics if you're not positioning yourself near a stream of conversation with an open ear. So social media are bidirectional. You get to share what you have to say, and that is great, but you also get to listen to what others care about. And that is the true treasure drove. You can leverage the ongoing conversations in your digital world as a reliable stream of topics of interest. And specific themes come up more often than others. By intentionally observing a community, you will find these topics very clearly because they just pop up more. It helps to take, note, take notes here too, um, either mentally or methodically in a spreadsheet on those topics, like how often do they come up and which topics come up more than the others. It's a digital form of active listening that you have to do that results in those most valuable results, right? Be ready to take notes whenever something interesting comes up on your observational journey. Now, let's dive into a few actionable frameworks that I use. The first one is ongoing conversation farming. My favorite and most often used content idea, sourcing tactic, I guess, is to listen in on other people while they're having a conversation on Twitter. It's a relatively simple strategy. I follow people who have interesting things to say. I regularly check in on their conversations, the conversations that they start or that they're part of. And then I write down the themes they discuss, sometimes even the actual points they make, and then turn my opinion on those themes, points, or topics into content. So let's break this down into three steps and how I optimize my time spent on Twitter for each of them. Number one, first step is follow high-profile accounts. The most interesting conversations happen around people who really know their stuff. And I follow thousands of people, all for very different reasons. And some of them may just be starting out, or I want to see their journey unfold, and others are funny, and some are entertaining, and some are great teachers. What unites those high-profile accounts is that they are incredibly active members of the community and have already attracted many followers. And those are the people that start exciting conversations about topics that people care about. And these high-profile accounts don't have to have millions of followers. I'm not talking about these kind of accounts. After all, I said high-profile, not high-follower. They just have to participate in their communities actively. And I find those followers and accounts in many ways. I see them on my timeline, being replied to or retweeted by my existing followers. I come across their work on the internet in podcasts or articles where they show their expertise. And here's a tip. Other people have already found these outstanding accounts and done the sourcing work for you. They can be found on Twitter lists containing some high-profile accounts that you already follow. So go to one of those accounts in your, in your existing stream, the people you really like, head to their profile, click on the three dots under the header image, click view lists, and then you see all the lists that they follow, but ignore that for now and go to the three dots in the top right again, and then click lists thereon. And bam, now you have access to many lists of people just like this account, because all those lists there include the person that you really like. So there's a high likelihood that people who are on the same list with them are also just as interesting. And those best high-profile accounts check a few boxes for you to use them for your own content ideation purposes. 
they have to be active daily. That's usually a really good indicator that it's an interesting account for you to follow. They also have to contribute to conversations, um, not just post thinky tweets without engaging in the replies. They have to be like an active contributor as well. And they should have credibility in the community for people to take the conversations seriously, right? They should have something to say and something to back it up. And the more accounts like this you find and follow, the better. Because then we get to the second step, and that's find and note down topics of conversations. Because now you follow all these accounts. Now all you need is a way to be notified when conversations happen. And you can do this the old-fashioned way and hope that Twitter will show you their discussions in your feed, or better yet, you can turn on notifications for these accounts and be alerted when new potential conversations are started. And I personally use a combination of these two. Most of the time, I come across new conversations organically on my feed. I have, I don't know, like 12,000 people that I follow. I see a lot of communication on Twitter. But occasionally, I specifically visit my notifications tab on Twitter to see what's going on and where I can learn something new. What matters here is that once you see an interesting conversation, something that really excites you, you have to resist the urge to dive in before taking a note. Often, personally, I get super excited when I see an interesting discussion and I immediately start participating. I go in there and start writing and that leads to a few hours of tweeting about the topic and then I get distracted by something else and all the while forgetting to write down the overarching topic of the conversation that made me so excited to participate. And when you are excited to participate, you can kind of think and expect other people to also be excited to participate. So that is a good thing to note down because it's already showing interest, not just in you, but also in others. And I have conditioned myself to take a few seconds before every tweet I send to open Notion and open my conversion tracking, conversation tracking page. That's what I call it. And note down the gist of the topic. And then I allow myself to participate. And during... My exploration of the topic, when I write, when I have a, com a conversation, when I communicate with people, I also try to note down new subtopics that come up, either in my own thinking, in my writing, or in the arguments of others. Because the more you collect, the more you can use. And that gets us into the third and final point of this framework, is to create unique content for selected topics. Because you just have to use these notes now, because that's the whole point of you taking them. So... With a list of topics and thoughts, you can start thinking about turning these items into content and into content opportunities for yourself. When I have this list of topics, I usually go through this incomplete list, I guess, of exploratory questions that I will talk about now. First questions, uh, question is, do I have some related personal anecdotes that I can elaborate on? Is there anything in my experience that I can share? The next question, what opinions do I have that could add another perspective to this conversation? Next, what is the most confusing concept in this topic and how can it be explained in simple terms? Can I zoom into this topic more? Is there something particular that deserves highlighting? Can I extract that from the existing chat about this topic? Or can I zoom out of this topic? Is the topic part of a bigger, more impactful discussion? During the conversation... What confused people the most? Can I help clear it up? And were there biases in this conversation that are interesting to highlight? What resources can I share so people can learn more about this topic outside of the conversation? And who are the other experts in this field? Who should be participating right now? Who should people follow for more insight? All those kind of questions really help figuring out how you can add something meaningful and valuable 
to the conversation. And whether the topic is starting a writing career on the side or experimenting with SaaS pricing, these questions will always result in at least a few writing prompts, ideas for potential articles, threads, or videos, whatever you do. And it's an ongoing, never-ending loop. Interesting people talk about interesting things because they know others will be interested, and then interested people will go in there and contribute something else. That triggers those interesting people to respond. So leverage that to create content that feeds into the ongoing conversations in your field. People will resonate with that much more strongly than other kinds of content because you've already validated that they're willing to talk about these things by joining a discussion where people are already talking about this. And that is kind of the ongoing conversation farming part. Now let's talk about podcast discussion extrapolation. Because I was just talking about listening in on conversations. Well, this can be taken literally too. Whenever I feel like I need to spend some focused time on filling the well, you know, getting my idea well filled up, I grab my headphones, a notepad, and a pen, and I make my way to the couch to turn on a podcast. And here's my active listening routine. First, I find an interview podcast with a topic that sounds intriguing to me, either because I already know a lot about it and want to hear what other people think, or because I don't know anything about the space and I want to see what's going on there. If the guest is a person I know, that's great, but I don't limit my choice to that. Anyone with some kind of expertise will do. And that's also a great opportunity to find more people to follow for interesting content. So go for people you haven't heard about yet or from yet. Then, once I found that podcast, I start listening to it at regular speed, sometimes even slower than 1x, 0.8 something. I'm not doing this to get through the content quickly, because if I wanted to do that, I would 1.25 it or 1.5x the, the whole show. But I listen to the show because I want to allow my brain to formulate ideas while others talk. So regular speed, slow it down, take breaks. And instead of just focusing on my own immediate thoughts and noting those down, I also try to write down the views of the guests and the host as they express them. Something about noting down somebody else's thoughts makes your brain investigate those ideas more thoroughly. I often pause podcasts while I listen to them with this active listening method to be able to express the thought on paper fully. And this is, I believe, the crucial part of this exercise. It's active listening and persisting the thoughts into writing. So don't skip that part. Still write down stuff. Doesn't have to be pen and paper. If you like typing, perfectly fine. But persist the thoughts as they were expressed, even though you might disagree with them. Even though you might not think, oh, this is interesting, write it down. Because then your brain has it logged somewhere and your background process can pick it up and give you new thoughts, new ideas on this particular topic. And after listening to the show or just particular segments, I take some time to look for thoughts to, that came up for me and add them to the list of ideas expressed by the guests and the hosts. So it's a mix of my thoughts, their thoughts. And after that, when I'm done with the show, I parse this complete list and I look for topics that allow for perspective shifts or opposition or just adding an opinion or simplification. What, whatever I find and whenever I find it, I quickly sketch out a paragraph containing my thought or my argument on the issue. And then I go on to the next item. It's like a little list of potential articles that are just one paragraph long with the most dense description of what I want to talk about. And then after I've gone through all the items on the list, I select the most promising candidates that resonate with me most for further exploration than I write about it or I record a video or a podcast episode like this or something like that. This, in many ways, is how this podcast episode actually came to be because I had written down 
huh, finding ideas for content on Twitter is hard. How do I do it? Well, and now I'm telling you. So the benefit of this approach is that our minds interpret arguments and opinions differently when we hear people speak them to each other, when they tell each other. Podcasts are an invitation to just being there for somebody else's conversation that unfolds in front of you in real time, whenever we want. And that's a magical thing, really. And it's a great hunting ground for content ideas because podcast shows, particularly the most recently released episodes, the most current ones, will always contain topics currently being discussed in the community. Either they pick up on discussing uh, on topics that are being discussed, or these shows then make the community discuss these issues. So whatever it is, you can add something to an ongoing discussion just by staying on top of the most popular podcasts in the space. And additionally, to providing you with a great content prompt, this also introduces you to new experts in the field worth following on social media. And even further, you get to hear someone who has thought long and hard about an issue explaining it to somebody else. And this is incredibly educational because it will help you be better at understanding the thing, understanding what questions come up that you have to be able to reply to with a good response, and you get better at teaching concepts to your own audiences. It's really awesome. Podcasts are the ultimate win-win situations for content creators. So if you don't have a podcast listening routine, start one. Pick the shows that you think are the most popular in the space or pick the ones you just already like and do active listening. It's going to change your content creation strategy. I can promise you that. did for me. Finally, let's talk about the third framework that I use and that is really news channeling. Because one thing that, that podcasts usually are not is current in a sense of daily current. Like they don't speak about the thing that happened today or yesterday. Because most podcasts are recorded weeks or even months in advance. So they talk about topics that with a slight delay. And while this is perfectly fine for most things, it's a barrier to exploring current events. And I don't do this often, but I occasionally use recent developments as content idea inspiration in my fields of interest. Because like many software engineers, I follow Hacker News. And similarly, I have an Indie Hackers account and I follow many blogs through their RSS feeds and I regularly check out, check out industry news aggregators. And whenever I run into a particularly juicy piece of news, I consider using it in one of these ways, three ways. Verbatim, it's the number one, right? I could just relay the news, post a link. This is particularly useful for breaking developments that I want people to learn about as quickly as possible. I know if there's a security problem or some service is changing something significantly, I give them access to something interesting immediately. And I don't even have to comment on it. I just have to give people this piece of information and that already exposes them to content. It's not my own. I kind of just curate it, but I put it out there for people to see. And when I put something out, a lot of people see it. So a lot of people actually learn something at the, in that moment. So that's the easiest way. Just put it out verbatim. The next level, I guess, is to contextualize it with commentary. Something happened that might impact my industry in subtle ways that aren't obvious to novices? Well, here's my chance to give people my opinion on the why and the how. I can start a conversation about the pros and the cons or voice my agreement, or lack thereof, to instigate further commentary. So, but giving people context, in addition to the piece of news to linking to it, is super helpful. It's usually the best way to break information to people is to not just give them the information, but also some kind of context that is important to you, for you to share with them. And then finally, 
one of the most abstract ways, I guess, to use news is extrapolation, projection, and prediction. I consider myself to be a seasoned entrepreneur and a developer. I've been around for a while. I've seen many things come and go, and I understand decades-old trends. That allows me to share guesses about where things might go, which is always great at getting people to engage with their own opinions and projections. So that is a nice way to use the news as well to say, oh, well, uh, I don't know, Google Analytics announced just a couple days ago that they're going to phase out Google Universal or Universal Analytics and they're not going to allow people to migrate their old data. This is a trend I've seen happening to many Google things in the past and this is going to be a big problem for ad agencies and I see this resulting in many people trying to export that data and tools being built to then import that new data into Google Analytics 4 or whatever is the next thing. That is the projection that I'm just making up on the spot right now, but it's something that people would probably be interested in discussing, right? So here is the option for you to create content out of just projecting your thoughts into the future. And if you can position yourself as a reliable news channel, either way, verbatim, through context or extrapolation, and you can give context to the news that happens, people will quickly understand you to be an expert worth listening to, not just for news, but for every other thing as well. Personally, I wouldn't rely on this kind of content creation strategy alone, but it's good to have in your repertoire. And as a little bonus, let's talk about cross-channel coordination, another thing that I regularly do. Because generally, there's nothing wrong with sharing things from one source on other platforms. And just like with the news, you can do this with your own content as well. If you, if you posted something on LinkedIn, for example, why not reuse that content on Twitter or from a Facebook group that you're part of or in a forum maybe that, you, that you're working in or you saw something on TikTok and you want to share it with your community? You learn if and how your communities differ from that, what content resonates with whom and why. And you should diversify your audiences anyway, right? Because just being on Twitter means that you're one Twitter ban away from not having an audience anymore. So Consider this a small part of your content distribution routine. Cross-channel coordination It's what I call it for myself to always uh, do it when it needs to be done. So you can tell that all these frameworks essentially channel existing topics and ideas into new content. And that's the magic of understanding the dual nature of social media content. There's no clear line between creation and curation. Every good piece of content has parts of either in it. And with everything you produce... You need to give people a way to fit it into their existing knowledge graph. And that's so much easier if there's something in there that they've already heard of. And your job as a creator, be it for content or knowledge or anything else, is to make your work accessible and useful at the same time. So keep observing ongoing conversations and find what people already care about. That's what they want more of. Not the exact same thing, of course, but something that connects with it. And it's your job to provide that to them. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Boots of Fana podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Avidkal, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. And you'll find my books here to sold and The Embedded Entrepreneur and my Twitter course. Find your following there as well. If you want to support me in the Boots of Fana podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. Oops. And thank you very much for listening. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. <laughs>